Hi, my name is Kevin, and welcome to the Maison Mission. This is episode number seven. For those of you who might be joining us for the first time, Maison Mission is an inclusive faith community. The word Maison is a Greek word for greater. The Maison Mission is about finding greater spaces for people to hear and experience the good news of Jesus. You can find out more about the Maison Mission in the description of this program. Will you join me in a short prayer? God, we trust you today. Some of us who are coming into this place for the first time, we may be struggling with what we believe. We may not even be sure that you're real or that you're good. But Lord, I pray that over the next few minutes, you would open our hearts and open our minds to you and the things that you want to speak to us today. God, we're thankful um, for Maison and we're thankful for this space, this conversation, this, this, this community where, where we can come as we are. And Lord, I pray that you would continue to, to show us new things about each other, about ourselves, and about you. We love you. In your name, amen. Well, hey there. Uh, I'm Levi, and we're excited that you've joined here with us at Maison Mission. We are doing uh, five teachings called The Words of God, and uh, we're exploring the Bible, uh, the scripture, and Kevin did a great job uh, introducing us uh, to the series last week. He mentioned that the, the Bible has been weaponized at times. It's, it's been used uh, to hurt people, and um, that's never uh, our intent uh, here at Maison, is to weaponize scripture, to turn it into uh, something to hurt folks. Um, I don't know what your relationship with Scripture is. I don't know um, if you're one who just loves the Bible and it's it's always been a companion to you. I remember a few years ago, I don't know if they still have this option on Facebook, but uh, when it came to relationship status, one of the options you could choose was it's complicated. <laughs> and I don't suggest uh, checking that box if you're married and uh, your spouse doesn't know it's complicated. In fact, I would never use that option uh, on Facebook. But I think privately, uh, there have been long seasons in my life and my journey with Jesus where I would have to check that box in relation to my relationship with Scripture. It's complicated. I mean, it is this ancient book of books with uh, writings and poems and letters and records that, that happened in a different time, in a different place, in a different culture. In fact, we have the majority of the Bible um, is the Old Testament, which are the pre-Jesus writings. And uh, some of them were written thousands of years before Jesus even came onto the scene. So like he was as removed from some of those writings as we are from the year 4025. I mean, just uh, imagine that. And so uh, my understanding of scripture in the, the church environment, the faith community that uh, I grew up in was that we held what is called a high view of Scripture. And basically, an easy way to define this is to say that 
scripture was the final authority and it it gets the last word in how we live our lives it's uh, to be respected to be followed to be adhered to just as much as possible and i grew up with this feeling that it was not okay uh, to question scripture that it was not okay to to doubt scripture and that if I did something like that, that it would mean that I didn't, I wasn't honoring or respecting scripture uh, the way that I should. And so what happened is I ended up with a very dogmatic faith. In fact, there's a saying that says, uh, God said it, I believe it, that settles it, it's good enough for me. And it was until I was about 30 years old. And then I began to question some of the things that I was reading in scripture. I don't know if it was one of those read the Bible through in a year and I got to some of the just really violent parts of the Old Testament, but I do know that it was uh, around 30 years of age that I, oh man, to say that I was struggling and wrestling would almost be an understatement. I was, uh, a professional Christian, basically. I was a youth pastor that was teaching this book of books on a, a weekly basis. And I was really working to reconcile some of the stuff I was reading with the person of Jesus. And what I would have to say is through all of this wrestling and doubting and struggling, it, it was always the pull of Jesus that I couldn't shake. It was always Jesus that was like, don't give up on this. And so I, I just kept at it. Um, there's an author, uh, her name is Rachel Held Evans, and unfortunately uh, she died way too young, but she wrote a book called Inspired, and it's all about scripture. In fact, if I could recommend one book that, that's just very accessible, it's easy to read, that explains somebody's journey with wrestling with scripture and coming out on the other end with uh, a high view of scripture, but just seeing things differently, Boy, she puts some things uh, into perspective. And so she writes about uh, her journey of wrestling. And she says this, with each question, the voice of God grew quieter and the voices of others grew louder. These were dangerous questions, they said, forbidding questions, especially for a girl. They told her to fight against her doubts, but her sword grew heavy. They told her to stand strong in her faith, but her legs grew weak. Words that once teemed with life settled her mind, and stories that once captured her imagination triggered her doubts and darkest fears. It was as if the roots of a beloved and familiar tree had risen up to trip her on the path. There was no map for a world suddenly rearranged, no incantation to light the road ahead. She was lost. And I remember just having these seasons of this, long seasons, <laughs> over a decade. And I didn't really share it with many people um, because I was wondering what would they think of me and what did I think of me? Does this wrestling and doubting and struggling mean that I no longer have 
a high view of scripture, that I don't respect it enough? Did it mean that I was somehow compromising? Was uh, was I on the slippery slope? <laughs> you know, that uh, I didn't know exactly what it was, but I knew that you did not want to be on it. And was I on uh, the slippery slope? And I don't really know. Uh, but I know where I've landed. And looking back, one of the things that I remember is that this journey for me was very difficult. It was very stressful and it was very lonely uh, to be in a position of providing uh, for my family and also simultaneously questioning these words that I was being compensated to teach about on a weekly basis. It was it was kind of a mind meld. And so we're broaching these topics so that if you maybe have had some of these questions and you didn't feel like it was OK to bring them to light. Oh, it is. It is okay to bring them to light. And we may not have all the answers. We may not give you the answer that you're looking for. Heck, we may not even end up agreeing uh, at the end of the conversation, but that is okay. And I remember having uh, some friends that recommended books to me uh, as I reached out and said, hey, this is kind of where I'm at. And uh, there were countless times that I would be reading and there would just be tears streaming down my face because it was as if people had read my mental emails, things that I had never said out loud, things that I had certainly never written down um, and realizing that I was not the only one on planet Earth. And so as we're on this journey with the words of God, I want these next few weeks to be a few different things for us, okay? I want these next few weeks to challenge us. Uh, maybe you have uh, just kind of ignored some of the, the difficult aspects of Scripture and say, well, most of it makes sense and, and that's good enough for me. I want to challenge that a little bit. I think we are better uh, on the other side of, of being challenged. I want to keep this uh, very, very simple uh, each week. I don't want to go try to, to talk about too much because I want us to be able to kind of remember uh, the things that um, we have talked about. And I want us to emerge at the end of this five weeks with like a renewed hope and a renewed desire to engage with the words of God, with scripture. And so at the end, there's not going to be any like blood oath that uh, we expect you to agree just like us. I mean, heck, uh, Kevin and I and even uh, the core leaders here at Maison, there, there are nuances of scripture and the way that we handle it and interpret it that, that we don't agree on. And it's OK. It's it's OK for that to happen. The, the goal is not uniformity. The goal is for us uh, to move forward in unity and to give grace, to give much grace uh, to each other. All right. So I want to pause here for just a moment and I want to play a little game with you. And it's a it's a ranking game. OK, so we're very familiar, like in corporate America, that uh, you have people that are here and then there's a manager and another manager, and another manager. And you keep going up until you get to uh, the executive level, you know, CFO, CEO, um, COO, all of those kind of people. And uh, we, we know those ranks. We know whose voice and whose um, edicts they they command the most respect because of their position. So. Uh, 
there's a couple areas that I want to see if, if you know the ranks, okay? And the, the first one is in Taekwondo. I've never done Taekwondo, but I've had friends who have done it. And there's a belt system. And my understanding is you start at the bottom with a certain color belt, and then you have belt tests, and you have to break boards, and you have to, to do things, uh, which I don't know what they are because I've never done it. But uh, if you do them right, I know that you can get a different color belt, and there's a ceremony that goes along with it, and it's a really big deal. So I'm going to name four belts, and uh, I want to see if you know which of those four belts is the highest belt and i'm not going to include black belt because i think we all know that black belt is the highest okay so here we go out of a, a brown belt a blue belt a green belt and a white belt which one is higher a brown belt a blue belt a green belt or a white belt all right five four three two if you said brown belt, you're right. So if uh, you're a white belt at the bottom and uh, a blue belt comes and tells you to do something, but then a brown belt comes and says, no, 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 don't listen to the blue belt because I'm a brown belt. Well, you would listen to the brown belt because they have uh, their voice carries more weight. They have more experience. They have been conferred uh, that brown belt and it means something. Um, so here's another one. We're only going to do one more of these because I don't want this to last too long, but I have a friend, Jess, who is a doctor, and I am not a doctor, obviously. I will never be a doctor. And as he has progressed through all of the different stages of uh, med school, um, all the way through, uh, we'd have conversations, and he would use these um, position titles, and I never knew <laughs> which one was higher than the others. And, and so one day I just had to ask him, I was like, Jess, I don't know what this means. Like when you say these words, like who's higher than the other one? And so here we go. I'm going to give you four uh, to choose from. Uh, we will go intern, attending, resident, and fellow. All right. Intern attending, resident, fellow. All right, three, two, one. The attending is actually the highest. Oh man, do I hope I have this right. But they, I believe, are the attending position and they are higher than the fellow, which is higher than uh, the resident, which is higher than an intern, which I think is the first year of residency after uh, med school. And so, why do we do that? Why did why do we do that? Well, there's a there's a purpose to this because we understand that the the weight of the voice changes the the higher up you go. And this is a something I want us to look at in relationship uh, to scripture. There's this popular phrase that uh, people tend to use and uh, Christians use it. I've said it like so many times. I try not to say it so much anymore, but it says the Bible says. Well, the Bible says this. The Bible says that. And it's not necessarily a false statement because they'll say that the Bible says, and then they'll pick up the Bible and they'll read it. But the problem with this is that we can actually make the Bible say almost anything we want. And we're going to dig into that in uh, another week. So I don't want to go there, but th that is a problem. We say that the Bible says, and then we can find a little passage in this giant book to, to basically justify uh, the ends to what we uh, are seeking. And so what do we do when the Bible seems to be saying different 
things. What do we do when the words of Jesus seem to counter some of the Old Testament heroes' words like Moses or Elijah? All right, so I want to give you a disclaimer that uh, a lot of kind of the rest of this teaching, uh, I'm leaning heavily into uh, Brian Zond. He, he's a pastor. Uh, he uh, he's an amazing guy, and I would recommend the book that he has. He's written so many good ones, but uh, "Sinners in the Hands of a Loving God." There's a chapter in there that says uh, Jesus is what God has to say, and um, along with some other resources. But I'm leaning heavily into uh, his teaching here. All right, and so he there's this story uh, that. Uh, he uses uh, for this teaching. And, and if you've grown up in the church, you, you've probably heard it. It's, it's kind of a bizarre story in the New Testament. It's called the Transfiguration. It's actually found in Matthew, Mark, and Luke. John is the only gospel writer not to include it. And then it's mentioned again in 2 Peter. And uh, in Matthew chapter 17, verses 1 through 8, this is what happens. It says, Jesus took Peter and the brothers, James and John, and led them up a high mountain. His appearance changed from the inside out right before their eyes. Sunlight poured from his face. His clothes were filled with light. Then they realized that Moses and Elijah were also there in deep conversation with him. Peter broke in, Master, this is a great moment. What would you think if I built three memorials here on the mountain, one for you, one for Moses, one for Elijah? While he was going on like this, babbling, a light radiant cloud enveloped them and sounding from deep in the cloud, a voice. This is my son, marked by my love, focus of my delight. Listen to him. And when the disciples heard it, they fell flat on their faces, scared to death. But Jesus came over and touched them. Don't be afraid. When they opened their eyes and looked around, all they saw was Jesus. Only Jesus. So what is going on right here? Jesus uh, lights up. Uh, Moses and Elijah show up. They've been dead for thousands of years. Peter is wanting to build memorials to these heroes. And then a cloud envelops them. Can you imagine how frightening this would be? <laughs> it would be absolutely terrifying. And then there's a voice from within the cloud, which is God saying, this is my son, marked by my love, focus of my delight, listen to him. And, and Zahn writes, Moses and Elijah have left the stage, and now only Jesus remains. There's now no possibility of Jesus being upstaged or countermanded by the Old Testament. Jesus is all in all. The law and the prophets were the lesser lights in the pre-Christ night sky. They were the moon and the stars. They were sent by God, but they were not the fullness of divine light. Israel could grope forward by the moonlight of the Torah. The ancient Hebrews could navigate through the pagan night guided by the constellations of the prophets. In a world of darkness, the moonlight and starlight emanating from the Torah and the prophets made all the difference. But with the coming of Christ, morning has broken. The new day has dawned. The sun of righteousness has risen with healing in its rays. Now the moon and the stars 
Moses and Elijah, the law and the prophets, are eclipsed by the full glory of God in Christ. The moon and the stars recede from view because the sun has risen. Because the sun has risen. (laughs) Oh, man. What does it mean? What, what, What is this teaching all about? Very specifically, it means that the actions, the teachings, the ways, and the words of Jesus carry more weight. They carry more weight. In fact, Jesus often does some corrective teaching where he says as much. In Matthew 5, maybe his most famous teaching in the the whole New Testament, uh, the Sermon on the Mount, several times he says, you have heard it said, and he's often talking about something that Moses or one of the prophets said, you have heard it said, but I say unto you. And what he is saying is, and what God was saying on that moment is listen to him. He is the attending physician. He is the brown belt. He is the black belt. He is the one that when you don't know uh, which you should listen to more, you always choose the words, the ways, the teachings of Jesus. See, the Old Testament points us to the person of Jesus. The Old Testament is not on par with him. God's greatest gift to humanity is not a book. It's not a series of writings. It is Jesus. It's not text. It is a person. It is his son. And folks, we can't create a Christian ethic without Christ. We can't be appealing to Old Testament violence, even if it was sanctioned by their leaders, and ignore the call of Christ to love our enemies. Because Jesus is what God has to say. Jesus is greater than Moses. Jesus is greater than Elijah. Jesus is greater than the Bible. It's not biblical justice that we pursue, but Christ-like justice. Biblical justice may call for punitive measures of stoning sinners, of executing idolaters, but Christ calls us to the higher ethic of mercy. Christ calls us to the higher ethic of mercy. And it's so interesting. In our Sunday download last week, we were talking about this and like, what do we do? And I said, man, it's so good because I'd almost written uh, this entire sermon at that point. But when we come to uh, two things in scripture, we always go the way of Jesus. His words are always weighted heavier. And I hope that this helps you. And I hope that this gives you hope because this was game changing for me. We have this big book. What do we, what do we do with it? We always lean into the person of Jesus. Let's pray. God, we thank you so much for sending Jesus. Thank you that, that he is your greatest gift. That, that he is the one that we seek to be like. God, we thank you that we, we even have this, this story that seems a little odd and a little crazy of this prayer meeting on the mountain where Moses and Elijah fade away and Jesus is left standing and you 
tell those followers then and you tell us today. Listen to him. God, may we be faithful uh, to listen, to watch, to mimic as much as possible the way that Jesus lived. We We pray in Christ's name. Amen. Okay, so usually at this point in the program, I ask you to support us by giving a donation to Maison Mission. Listen, I know most of us are a little put off by churches asking for money. And if I'm being honest, I'm a little put off asking you for money. Um, (laughs) Most of us have seen or experienced churches ask for huge amounts of money. And then instead of using that money to do good in their communities, they build this huge country clubhouse building and only listen to the requests of the people who are the most generous givers. Um, (laughs) I just want to take a moment and explain how finances work at Maison and cast some vision for you as to how we'd like to see this community make the most impact for the kingdom as we move forward. The Maison Mission is a completely independent, non-denominational church. We aren't affiliated with any kind of network or organization, and we don't have access to a big pile of seed money like most church plants do. Um, It costs money to start any kind of nonprofit organization. We need to pay for subscriptions and setup fees and lawyers. Um, We want to file for a 501c3 religious nonprofit status. Um, All of these costs associated with uh, starting a church, most of them are things that I don't even think about. They all cost money. But even though that sounds like a lot, there's some real blessings in disguise that come with these challenges. We don't have a building. That means we don't have a rent or a mortgage. We don't have to clean or maintain a facility. That frees up a lot of resources for us here at the beginning that allow us to do more good in the community. Traditional churches are built on the model of coming to their building at their times. Um, At Maison, the church has literally left the building. Um, we're, we're currently in the process of finding ministry partners and opportunities for us to go out into the community and make a difference. Having a low overhead like this makes it possible for us to be the church to those who need it most. Our hope is that eventually we will be meeting again physically in small groups and once a month at a family celebration night where we can do things like fellowship, serve communion, and baptize new followers of Christ. As we grow, We would love to be able to add staff to help facilitate programs like kids and student programs and more. One last thing I want to mention is this. We want to support the creation of beautiful things in our community too. Supporting local and independent artists is a huge part of my heart and this idea that God reveals himself to people through beauty and beautiful things, is something that is at the core heart of the Maison mission. There are artists, writers, musicians, designers, and so many other creatives in this town that we want to find ways to come alongside and support. Maybe even one day, instead of building a church building, Maison could build a facility where we could showcase local talents, provide training and classes for dance, music, and art, and truly show people the beauty that God wants to use to save the world. So with all of that said, if you would like to support the Maison Mission with a one-time gift or on a recurring basis, 
There's a link in the program details. We'll also be displaying our giving links on a slide at the conclusion of this program. Thanks in advance for your support of the Maison Mission. Join us next week as we continue our series, Words of God. Hope you all have a great week.